Teresa, this is your first time back from the yeah. break, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. What well, would you warm up, please? Obviously, we are <laughs> <laughs> on our A game, and yeah. you're doing whatever I, you're doing. Heaven help me. Hello and welcome to the Outpost Podcast. If that's what you're looking for, you're in the right spot. Mm -hmm. Today, it is me, Lacey, along with... Me, Tom. Me, Teresa. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Me, Mark. Me, Mark. Okay, very good, everyone. Welcome. Welcome to the Outpost Podcast. Teresa, this is your first time back since we've took a bit of a hiatus. Yeah. Are you you nervous? Are you prepared? I am well rested. I have done nothing but sleep. Thank goodness. Please carry us. Good. Can you manage that? I mean, I'll have to make sure I lift with my legs, but yeah, sure. <laughs> Good. Good form. Good form. Always. All right, Toms, let's start out with some community questions. What let's, do we have? Let's community question. All right. If you came with a warning label, what would it say, Teresa? Doesn't play well with strangers. Okay. Good. Warning. Keep snacks in pocket at all times. Your pocket so you can feed <laughs> <me> snacks. <laughs> Mark? Do not approach. Yeah, that's pretty true. (laughs) Warning. Very tired, prone to fall over. I don't like that. I don't want you to fall over. That's true. That's why it's a warning. Warnings aren't great things. Yeah, but that warning great time to follow. (laughs) (laughs) Is there an action that we can take to help you? Just leave you Evasive. Just out of the Mm -hmm. way. That's a good point. Mm -hmm. Set up a bed. Steer (laughs) clear. Set him on his side. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just keep lots of padded things around. <laughs> Cover all sharp corners. <laughs> is that why you just use childproof the room? Is that why you use those floor pads as your like focus cave? Yeah, they don't let me do that anymore. Yeah. Apparently it was really unseemly. But <laughs> what floor panels put together on top of your desk? They are yeah, focus it was forts. a little bit unseen. Uh, what was that word? Unseemly. Unseemly. It's also unsightly. There's the word. Which is the word. But it was also really good for focus. All right. What else do people want to know? They would also like to know, what do we look for in a potential employee? Mm. Marcus? Hmm. Pulses. That's a good question. I have, have, you, have you learned your lessons the hard way? <laughs> One of these days, I'm going to do a good job of that. <laughs> there are a couple things that I think I have learned to be mindful of with just people in general. I don't really go around looking for employees. I go around looking for people. And then sometimes I see potential. And that's how all of you kind of got to be in the circle here. It explains the um, lack of androids. I just, you know, like Warren Buffett <laughs> says, just test. go hire people smarter than you. That's kind of what I've done. But people who are hungry, meaning they have passion and desire to do something and they have a little bit of the positive ambition, but they're also humble and they want to be part of a team and they're willing to take criticism. And they, you can tell that they're going to move forward whether or not the system allows them to or barriers in their way. It doesn't matter they're going to be doing what they want to do. That's the first thing I look for is passion for a number of years, probably at least over a decade. I didn't want to see anybody's resume. Yeah. I can see your credentials there. doesn't tell me anything about the person. doesn't tell me what your values are. doesn't tell me where your drive is, where your ambition is, where your passions are. And those things are so much more important than the things on your resume to me. 
I was hoping that passion was going to be your answer because that kind of what draws everybody here together is this spark of this internally ignited passion. It's often about different things. You know, we all are passionate about different things, but that's what you can see in someone that I have noticed, at least for you, draws you to be more interested in that person as somebody that you could potentially partner with. Yeah, Yeah. I I think it's that and protecting company culture. It doesn't matter how talented someone is or what skill set they have. If they're not going to add to or bolster the culture in a healthy way, they have no business in your business. What we have found is you hire the person for their passion and then you figure out where they fit. You get the best person you can. over there from pain. (laughs) And then you let them land wherever in your organization they're going to be the most successful and where their personal drive takes them. Yeah, that's an interesting point. I do things a little bit differently there. And I think maybe some other people do as well. But, you know, the MO for companies is they have a need, they describe a role, and then they go let people apply for that. You know, I'm looking for this. But I don't think people fit that mold. I think people are more valuable than their job description. And so what I think charismatic, smart, mindful companies do is they connect with the right people and then they make it fit. Sometimes that means rearranging the job description or the role or the definition of how our process works because this is how Tom is, right? We don't do things the normal way because now we do it the Tom way because Tom's <laughs> in that role, right? Can but you if- can you attest to that? I mean, yeah, I've seen my role change like three times since I've been here. So, so have I. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And hopefully each time it changes, it's getting closer to what you want Mm -hmm. like what your passions are and where you're going because ultimately that's good for the company too but i really don't think that most companies view it that way and i may be in the minority there i'm sure it's definitely easier to streamline things especially in larger companies when you don't think about people right because people have so many variables and so it would be difficult to grow a team that's pretty large when you are letting people be people. That's my opinion. Yeah, the dynamics do change as it gets bigger, right? If there were a thousand of us, I mean, you have to have processes and you can't be close to everybody in the organization. You know, you have to make systematic decisions. I guess my point is, though, to protect that culture that Tom was talking about and the heartbeat, the living soul of the company, aside from the shell that makes money, Because I believe that the soul is what draws people to the company that helps it make money. Well, and protecting the culture protects morale and protects everyone's productivity. I have made decisions in my career where I chose not to hire this person that knows a ton about the industry because I hired this other person that knows less. But you can just tell from day one that they're going to bring an energy that lifts everyone up and makes everyone else more productive. And they can learn about the industry. Mm -hmm. Who cares that that guy over there has 10 more years of industry knowledge if he's going to come in and be a bummer? Yeah. And I think that goes back to the idea that having a strong mission or vision for your company and core values really helps with that. Because, you know, we've known from the beginning that Orange Nebula is think bigger. Right. And so you look for people who are not as much in a box and tied into a box, but show these attributes that are bigger thinking, you know, aspirational. Yeah. Do we have any idea what the next game will be? That's the next question. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it is. No, he didn't really just ask you that. Okay, guys, what are we doing tomorrow? (laughs) We do actually. Okay. Um, So moving (laughs) ahead. 
you know, we probably don't want to talk much about it at all, but Mark has been low-key addicted on the side to creating the foundation for what the next game might be. Okay, gamey question. If there were no restrictions or limits on what IP you could make a game for, what would it be? Or would you rather just make your own IP? I'm a huge fan of the Wizard of Oz. Like Mm. the Frank L. Baum Wizard of Oz. That's literally the only IP we've ever talked about making a game for. That's really funny. Yeah, that's really really funny that you say that. Yeah. Because Mark and I are both pretty adamantly opposed to Orange Nebula making IP products. Yeah. But we have talked about the Wizard of Oz. There's benefits and detriments. I don't know. I want to say it this way, but standing on the shoulders of someone else, right? Like, so somebody else has made something great. It's going to be really hard for me to contribute anything to something that like my parents have loved since before I was born. Mm -hmm. Right. And they have all this nostalgia and memories around this story or this concept or this IP. And for us to put a new spin on it might be fun and challenging and and entertaining for a lot of folks, but I don't think we're necessarily groundbreaking into new territory. World building. That's what I was going to say is world building. Mm -hmm. It's, it's not world renovating. And I think both Mark and Tom, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think both of you really love world building. Like it's part of the point of why you do what you do. Well, it's part of the process. Every single game and project we've worked on, which sounds silly when you know that we have two, but there are (laughs) way more than that behind the scenes that you don't know about yet. Everything we've worked on, the world has changed as the heart of the project has changed, as the design has changed, and they all find each other in intertangled ways. And, you know, if we were just sitting down and making a Legend of Zelda game, like we couldn't have that same exploration. Let me flip to the other side. I totally get the Wizard of Oz thing. And you just, just, hey, Mark, do you want to make a game in the Star Wars world, right? You want to go like join Lucas and like make your own story in that world? I'm not going to say no mm-hmm. to that. It's just not going to happen, right? If Disney's like, hey, our Marvel department like wants you guys to come down here and talk to us about making cool stuff with the Hulk and Iron Man and stuff, what am I going to do? <laughs> <laughs> I'll be like, adios, guys. No, I wouldn't. But those types of opportunities, I think, do exist, and I think those are fun. I will tell you that they don't reach as deep as, I think, making something from your mind. And I think there's nothing more satisfying than writing a story, telling a story, building a world, making a design, doing a piece of art that came out of your imagination. And yes, it's informed by everything that you've had, all the experiences you've had in your life, all the stories and books and movies and everything that you've taken in are going to inform kind of what you make. But for me, if I look at the trajectory of my life and what I want to be, you know, what I want to leave behind for other people, it's not renovating someone else's idea it's going to be building my own with the people like you in our community by the way the people that we're interacting with in this life together there's nothing more rewarding to me than that this may not always be true for all properties but there is a mindset in the board game industry right now where you will notice seasons where a theme is a thing and a lot of times that's tied to what just passed into public domain Mm, yeah and so all of a sudden it's like oh everyone has an alice in wonderland game or everyone has a frankenstein game i understand that i understand the appeal of we're going to take our own spin on a property that everyone's familiar with because 
there's a pre-existing affection for it so there's a built-in audience but it, we're going to do our own thing with it because we're going to make it a different kind of game and i don't think that there's not room in that constraint to do creative fun and cool things it just generally speaking doesn't appeal to us as much walking dead comes out and then all the zombie games came out right because it was trending and it was hot and people are wired for it and i think it's a good business decision sometimes it takes a lot more work i think it also is a lot more rewarding to take a breath start with a blank sheet of paper and create i'm telling you there's nothing more satisfying than going through all of that pain and all of that expenditure of resource and time that you can never get back but to actually have something that you can put your fingerprint on i think artists and creative professionals would agree i wonder if part of it at orange nebula specifically is that you know we didn't start out as a board game company so you know with our history and past as a design company that means that we kind of like that depth a bit more we like coming up with our own stories and not being confined by the stories that someone else has already created. And so that expansive world building is more intriguing to us than perhaps some other board game companies who maybe don't have that artistic background, like what you're communicating about. Well, I don't want to be beholden to people's preconceived notions about something like these mechanisms aren't true to the experience or the tone of Wizard of Oz. You know, like if we made up our own world, the mechanisms can be beholden to whatever the heck we want. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter if we're repainting the experience that you had when you were eight that you're looking for in this product. Right. You come under a lot of criticism for mm -hmm. that. I've, I've seen a lot of that. Yeah. People, they begin to set expectations. Right. And I think honestly, at some point we may run into that. Right. As, as we build RIPs, like for example, we've got an incredible new world coming for Vindication that you don't know about or several <laughs> that is coming <laughs> or several actually we do have several and we're going to probably never quit as that world gets bigger and bigger and more and more defined you know the people who have been with us from the beginning are part of it and i think it's okay and fair for them to set expectations for like i'm part of this all right are there any more in there that you would there, like to there's cover? one more gamey related that i think we'll hit okay which is would you rather roll dice or pull tokens from a bag as far as the randomizer for your game. <laughs> I like rolling dice because I feel like I have, this is, I feel like I've got more control over that. I know that that's not the truth, but I feel like if I just get this just right, See what's, I can get what's that actually That's nonsense. What's actually hilarious <laughs> is that when I read that question beforehand, I had the opposite answer for the same reason. <laughs> I thought that pulling something out of the bag, I had more control, and so I would rather do that. That's interesting. That's do really you, interesting. Do you put stuff on the card so you know that texture means that this is this no, one? No, I don't, but it's like I get to grab it and take it, and okay. so and there's nothing else that happens between me grabbing it and it. There's no chance. That's that's funny. So my favorite game involves pulling tokens from a bag. Okay. And very often I will be pulling one out and then get a feeling and put it back <laughs> and pull out a different one. Which like is a feeling just, in your chest? Yeah, just in my gut, like this is not the right token. <laughs> That's funny that you're all wrong. Oh, and wow. I'm just kidding. There's, and you're all really right. There's really a 50 /50 No, you're and... all right because I think that's what's fun about it. Like you said is the sensibility that you get about for how that's going to roll if you put this little spin on it or mm -hmm. like if you pull this out slowly, is it going to be different than if you pulled it out quickly? That's really interesting. I, the observation is mm -hmm. very valid. Now, 
as designers and to be continued pulling tokens from a bag is a way more interesting design space than dice because you can add things to the bag you can remove things from the bag it's basically a dice with unlimited size that can be changed in real time as you play which is way more interesting than a dice that's the same forever i agree and that's yeah, something that we're exploring. I think you could also add dice and you could do the same thing with dice. Sure, but, but it's not quite as dynamic as, as a the bag. bag. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. The bag. <laughs> the scum bag. No, what did we call it? The the magical bag of wonders in that first vindication opening video. Yeah, something like that. Uh-huh, I what forget. That? Too bad. Yeah, too Memories. bad. That was four years ago now. <laughs> <laughs> magical bag of wonders is close. Uh huh. Okay, that's we, all we for the did community it. questions. We answered questions. We did great. Mm-hmm. Main topic, main topic. Yay! That was awesome. Good one. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't even have to point. You just knew to do it. I'm oh, so yeah. proud of I you. I can feel Derek's happiness from behind the curtain. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so today's main topic is why you should not live a creative life. Okay? Warning. Warning. If there is a warning label on living a creative life, we are going to give you all of the warning labels on why you should not live a creative life. So what do you hate about your life, Mark? I'll start. start. Some days you come to work and you're completely incapable of doing your job. Ooh. Okay. Speak for yourself. Remember okay. how we were talking about I how know. Mark hires people? No, that's people? a good right. point, though, because that is the discipline, is learning to be creative as a professional, where you have to force it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's the really interesting skill to learn. Because, Mark, have you every day gotten yourself to the point that when you're up at the coffee shop every morning at ugh, horrid times, is there ever <laughs> a day where you're like, ah, I just don't feel like working on the sketchbook today? Rarely. However... Mm-hmm. There are times when I have that feeling for other aspects of the job. Well, yeah, but not the creativity part. No, that's because that's like, I don't know, it's a drug, right? Like there's an addiction there to the creative process, although I think burnout is a very real thing. And that's one of the things that you get with creative life is, oh, well, sleep isn't really that important, right? Because you're going to be plagued and cursed with constant thinking. And I would call it an obsession about the things that you're really passionate about. So if you live in a creative life and you're doing the thing that you know you want to do the most, it's hard to turn it off. And that can take a toll on your relationships, on your physical health, you know, your sleep, your eating, and all of those things have affected me, right? In those ways. It's a real commitment and it's a real responsibility to yourself. I mean, there's all kinds of things I could just roll through the okay, list. Can you know, I, just go crazy. I, I but let's, Tom, but let's not get too far away from his. my thing because I think exactly. this is legitimate. Mm-hmm. Like, if your job is pouring concrete or your job is doing math or some, is just some thing that you do every single day like a machine, you can show up after a huge fight with your spouse. You can show up hungover. You can show up basically under any circumstances and you may not be as effective, but you can still just kind of chunk your way through it and there's a certain mindset for creative work that yes you can do it every day and there is the dopamine thing that mark is describing which is as he's about to go into also its own double-edged sword Mm -hmm. but creative work is a different type of mindset from i think 
most jobs as far as how attuned to your work your mind needs to be when you're there yeah and i'll tell you the first evidence of that is creativity does not happen nine to five you are not going to be able to go into a comfortable nine to five take your lunch at noon till one o'clock have this clockwork life that just doesn't happen no i i'm sure it can happen you can enforce boundaries in your life and you can force windows and i think have some effectiveness there but at the end of the day whole episode of us second guessing everything we say (laughs) right well what i have learned as i've gotten more and more creative in my career more creative as an individual that my life has had to adjust and i've had to become more fluid in the times and spaces where i do things so i'll get up early tom and i get up early four or five o'clock and you know, four, five, six, seven, eight at nine at night, we're still thinking about certain things. And like, you know, we may have a three hour block in the middle of the day where we're not working. We're like, what are you doing out at two o'clock in the afternoon? Like hanging out, doing this thing, Just zoning out, right? Like yeah. trying Recovering to recover, yeah. <laughs> trying to recover our brain. Yeah. I work seven days a week. Right. And so people think, well, that's insane. That's not healthy. Well, I get up on Saturday and Sunday mornings early. Like I normally would. I don't really sleep in And I go to the coffee shop and I do, it's just like my, it fills me up like to go with a sketchbook and a latte with my headphones, listening to instrumental, you know, or like orchestral scores or whatever. And I'm like building worlds or whatever. And I'll go do that for an hour and a half. And then I'll go back and I'll live my, like it's, it's an hour and a half right on Saturday. I'll do the same thing. I do a little bit of every day. It's kind of a routine, almost like a sacred act for almost me. ritualistic right not in a yeah you know a ritual is, is, is a good way to say it. <laughs> there's all this blood everywhere I don't <laughs> mean. he can only drink his latte at the altar it's, it's, it's creative juice it's creative juice ah uh, yes i think it's very comfortable for a lot of people to get into a nice set routine where i do this at this time and this time and this time and i think that most people really thrive in that type of uh and some people are are the opposite and i'm aware of that but most people are more comfortable having a nice set routine where they know what the expectations are and they can more easily manage their lives with a creative life style where you live what you do. I guess that's the definition for me is it's not a nine to five thing. I don't turn this off. This is my life. And so it goes so far beyond whatever hours. If I added up my hours, it would be like two jobs, Mm -hmm. two full-time jobs over the time that I actually spend working or thinking about the staff or thinking about the future or the financial aspect of it. Or just world building. Or just world building. I I see you stare off. You stare at the ground and it's been like 30 (laughs) seconds and you also, your lips are moving like you're talking to yourself. And I'm like, okay, I'm just going to step off for a little bit. Just let him finish his thought. He's world building. And then we can ask what he was working on. And that's one of the dangers of being creative professional is I think a lot of people who are creative by nature, will identify with these things. I think a lot of people in any career can identify with these. Like, I mean, I remember in previous careers, I would wake up in the middle of the night and think of just the right words for an email or, oh, I just figured out the way to make this process more efficient. Like people become obsessed with lots of jobs. Yeah. But I think creative jobs lend themselves toward that sort of, I'm going to get lost in my own creativity thing that we're prone to do all hours of the day, all hours of the night. But when it's also your job, you feel justified letting it take over. Like if it's 8 p.m. at night and you suddenly have some epiphany on some world building or story you want to write or 
card game mechanic or whatever normally like before i worked here like that's a fun thing maybe i'll do it maybe i won't like it just do i have time for this creative thing i don't so i'm not gonna but when it's actually my job it's harder for me not to do it because it's like well this is productive and this is my job and i'm having this idea right now so i'm going to sit down for two hours and work on this thing because i'm in the moment it makes it easier for you to let it consume your life because it's not just a hobby well, and I think that's where it really goes into. I mean, you talk about passion and being able to work seven days a week. It's both hobby and vocation, you know, and there's something sacred about that connection. I know personally for me, the hardest thing for me to do is to stop and acknowledge that writer's block for me, it means I don't know enough to get through whatever problem my brain is. Mm. And so to stop and be like, okay, clearly I don't know enough about volcanism. <laughs> and I, maybe I should need to sit down and figure out what goes behind here so that I can get through it and make this part of the story work. I call BS because the joy of all things for you is discovering you don't know enough about something so you can then go and learn about it. There's a balance that I think is hard to manage for a lot of creative professionals too, or creatives. And I do think it's, it's possible for a lot of people to have a job where they're creative a lot of the time and they're just not busy. They can turn on and off their creativity in windows throughout the week. Like, well, I'm only creative when I'm working on a project for a client, for example. But outside of that, maybe they're not really feeding that. But I think to be healthy and to be at your peak effectiveness, you have to have a flow. And what I mean by that is you can't just constantly be pushing out and creating and making without drawing in inspiration as well. So like you have to be fed, you know, and then you also have to feed, right? It has to, you have to be a conduit. And that's an interesting concept for a lot of people. A lot of people think if they just hustle, especially in the creative community, there's this big thing, hustle, right? Like you just, just work hard, right? You're not good at working hard if you're not constantly receiving and learning and growing and evolving and getting inspiration and connecting with people and treating yourself good, right? And I'm a living proof. I've just kind of not been aware of myself. I've just been working. When, you're, when your Apple Watch says, it's time to stand up for the third hour in a row, and you're just angry at it for it's talking to Time for your 2 p.m. bowel movement. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, uh, iWatch. You guys schedule those too? <laughs> okay, right. one thing Set that... bowel movement one hour. <laughs> Snooze. <laughs> Did you have something, Tom, on that before I move on to another one? What was the original setup? Like, what's the sentence you set this up with? The whole topic? Yeah, the whole topic. Yeah. Why not to live a creative life? Okay. Do not live a creative life if you want to not work with others or you cannot handle feedback or you just want to do your own thing by yourself and the joy of creativity is only doing it for yourself by yourself and you don't want any collaboration because generally speaking it is my experience that creative projects as a hobby you can do them completely by yourself in isolation and it's just for you as a professional you should do them that way with that mindset but understanding that at some point other people are going to get involved and you're going to have to hear their opinion about it yeah the reality is growth and evolution for what you're doing comes through pain and discomfort. It comes from responding to criticism 
sometimes hard criticism, sometimes constructive criticism, but sometimes it's blind criticism without even being fair. You might find that you spend four years of your life pouring every ounce of your soul into something and everybody else is just torching it because they're not giving it its due or they, they just see things differently. You're going to have to... Or they're right. Right. <laughs> that's hard. Yeah, that's a hard truth. One thing that I find hard is that um, I have a more procrastinatory nature about myself. And I think sometimes I use excuses like the projects that I would create would be better. There's nobody that can do it the way that I can do it, you know, and so I can't delegate this and I can't delegate that. And so I keep it to myself, keep it to myself. Then last minute, I'm trying to go as fast as I can to get it done. And I haven't collaborated with anybody. I haven't involved anybody. And so nobody is invested in it like I am and nobody ends up really caring it nearly mm -hmm. as much as I thought they might have because I didn't easy, include them. And then it's easy for you to say, well, they just don't get it. Mm -hmm. Right. That's a bitter response right mm -hmm. and i've been in that spot and that's why i'm identifying with that right nobody does anything amazing by themselves right it's very rare that you would see that happen they can take charge but if it's going to really be impactful you have to have more than one view you i just have to have get more afraid to let people in you know mm -hmm. what i mean like something that seems that's, so special to me I yeah sooner or later if you're doing this as part of a profession someone's going to see it Mm -hmm. it's not just your game or your story or your home film that you're working on just for you for 10 years that you have all these dreams about but really it's just you satisfying your own creativity and that's beautiful and wonderful but in the work world people see it and opinions happen well and i think a lot of people have been doing that in their closet for a long long time and they're afraid to show anybody for that very reason mm -hmm. right they're like Oh, yeah, I've been working on a game for 10 years. I'm like, awesome. When do we get to see it? Oh, I don't know. There's a barrier there. And I think... And sometimes that's great because that's just the joy for them is working on that same game. I think like, so. But I think facing that fear at least and getting to the point where, gosh, they, if they knew what it could be if they broke through that and were willing to kind of face constructive criticism and they saw the potential to actually have it come into the world... Also, again, I'm speaking from experience there. I kind of decided that I didn't care. and I just was going to go. And I had to go through those very hard, you know, going into play tests with strangers and having them be like, this game's awful or whatever it is. My design, my whole design career has been that way. I start out, you're terrible at everything you do, right? Like whatever you're doing for the first time, it's not great. And it gets better and better just by saddle time, right? And getting more information from other people. So. Well, I think it's easy to not acknowledge that there is a fear of success. Like you talked mm. about just working on it. I mean, at some point it's like there's a fear of failure, but there's also like, what happens if this takes off? How will I identify? How, I mean, I've been working on this my whole life. Then what? You know, I, I have to create this again. And am I? Able and I to? get so afraid. I think that what I envision in my mind as what it should be when it comes into the world will not come to fruition it's better in my head mm. i'm afraid it's better in my head than it will be in real life all of my jokes are like that They're always better in my head agreed you know, <laughs> you know what's funny about that is you don't give other people the opportunity for the thing that they could enjoy when you when you have that like i i've learned from myself right like our own self-criticism it drowns the opportunity for other people to be like I was really touched by that. I'm really surprised to hear you say that. The thing that you're ashamed of or the thing that you're embarrassed about is the thing that actually made me want to go do something. And I think that alone is is worth thinking about.
Okay, here's another warning, in my opinion. Another warning. 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 If Trigger you warning. live a creative life, you may never feel satisfied again. Anybody else singing Hamilton now mm-hmm, in their head? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, you know, when, once you've created something, you're already creating something new in your mind and something new and something new. I, I'm not sure in the last decade I've ever been like, ah, oh, I'm done now, ever. That's just my default personality type, though. I'm never satisfied with anything. It's true. The adjacent pitfall to that is a lot of people don't finish anything. Mm. They go and they start 20 things and they just don't learn the discipline or the skill set to see something through. It becomes such drudgery and a grind to do the hard work of finishing. And believe you me, I've been here as well. You have to get through that season to get to the harvest, right? You have to get in the dirt and the cultivating and, and all of this. And like, you can't reap in the season that it's raining and pouring and muddy and filthy and you're tired out in the field doing the cultivating. You did the planting and a whole other season back. And so you're like, when is this going to end? I think it's really an interesting observation. Do not live a creative life if you want to be able to listen to whatever music you want to at work because most of the music you want to listen to is distracting. <laughs> And instead, you have to listen to other stuff. White noise. Yeah, that's true. Instrumental. Can't listen to things with lyrics if you're trying to write words. It just doesn't work if those words are expected to be good. You know what's interesting with the way my brain works is a lot of times I have to have something playing in the background in order to focus. Even something... We've been watching a show in Spanish and I only half speak Spanish and I'll play it on an open tab in the background while I'm doing other things because it occupies enough of my mind that I don't get distracted by something else and I can stay in the space that I intended to be. What? It's just going to sound weird, but to me, music is like wind and I'm like a bird, right? And I can fly on my own power, but like sometimes if I have no music, it feels like I'm just putting out so much effort to concentrate. And if I have the right music in the background, it propels me a little mm. bit. Isn't that weird? You've I know. never that's, said it that's that's that way before. before. I saw Tom's I, look. I just <laughs> Tom just, always gives you that look. That's true. That's fair. Yeah, I'm I'm like a bird. Uh, <laughs> but Nelly Furtado. Thank you. I can never work without listening to something. But what I find is it needs to be like you can't listen to rock music and no, you know, but part of that's the nature of what I'm doing creatively here in the office, which is writing words. If if I was, you know, anytime I switch over to doing card files and I'm moving graphics around or I'm just copying words that I used to do and doing layout on design stuff like then I get that all excited because I can bring up Spotify. I can turn off my like drone music and turn on something that's a little more lively because I don't have to be putting together sentences. You'll hear Mark listening to stuff with lyrics really loud in his open <laughs> headphones. And I know, oh, he's in InDesign right now because he's not having to be constructing sentences or anything. He's flying like a bird <laughs> in, in, de- in design space. So yeah, you can't listen to whatever you want when you're doing creative stuff. You trying to clip my wings? Is that? Oh my I mean, gosh! No, that's not. We're gonna keep going. That's not in the song. Yeah. <laughs> no, I end up having to create playlists for different things, and so sometimes I'll get away with lyrics, but it has to be songs I know inside and out, and they just are just white noise to me. They're not from the Ministry of Bad Music, but they're not from the Ministry of Good either. They're like this weird 
no man's land in the middle. And sometimes you're rocking out so hard that you're bouncing up and down on your giant blue ball so high that I feel like you're going to hit your head on the ceiling. That's how I edit. Okay. Is it? That's, That's your it. editing playlist. Yeah. Uh, That's because that. then I'm just, mm-hmm. just scanning and looking for things that don't fit. Also, never mind. <laughs> wow. wow, his filter popped up. You also, guys warning, see that. don't live creative life if you want to be able to remember things. Yes. That's true. There's so much there's so much going on in your brain and literally your capacity to handle That's all a of really this. interesting <laughs> point. How many other things are you thinking about right now? Eight. Yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> Three of them are food related. <laughs> I, I don't do math, but it's it's a lot of it's a lot of numbers. <laughs> it's, it's definitely numbers. <laughs> yeah. Have you guys ever tried to do the mindful thing where like in, if you're just walking? I've done I, that. <laughs> so far you're with me continue carry on okay but you're walking and instead of seeing a leaf acknowledge it and go looking and then as the thought goes through your head go thinking and then, oh you hear a breeze okay hearing and then just slowly categorizing everything to help pull you into the moment a bit more and more you're looking at me I, like i need my I this reminds coat. me it's an interesting observation to become more self-aware right. right like that's what you're saying and quite honestly that is not a strong skill set of mine. I was going to say, Mr. Like, I'm looking at the ground, but I could not even be <laughs> less aware that the ground is in front of me. I guess yeah, what I'm saying it could is be like, talking back. He wouldn't know. So much with what she's saying, right? Like being more just self-aware. What am I feeling right now? What am I thinking right now? What's my inclination? And why am I not doing the thing that I already know I probably should be doing? Yeah, actually, that's super interesting. I was having this conversation the other day about how I spend so much time in my head writing something or thinking about a project or just managing a project like i'm not even looking out my eyes at the world yeah. mm. i'm in my head actually viewing words going on to a page as i'm walking around and doing things or sitting with my family or something where i should not be doing that mm -hmm. and i said the other day i am going to take three pictures every day of just textures that exist in the world around me just to notice that they are there, which is very similar to what right. you were describing yeah. when you were re secretly revealing that you have underlying robotic no, it's, makeup. But it's, it's, it's raise it's, hand, apply to doorknob. <laughs> but it's forcing Turn, really. right? squeeze yeah. with twelve percent pressure, <laughs> rotate. Well, no, but I mean, like, I find myself when I'm trying to lay down and go to sleep, my mind keeps racing and racing and racing, and I'll have to like stop and literally imagine my mind is a volume knob and say turn down the volume mm. and then stop and go thinking shut down breathing. sequence initiating <laughs> <laughs> don't click restart I, right. we don't have time for those updates <laughs> yeah. master luke do you mind if i power down <laughs> okay so all of that said why people should not live a creative life are you glad that you are living a creative life it's the only way to live it's, it's more difficult and I, I don't know if I could not, you know, exactly like putting together spreadsheets for a living. I mean, might pay bills, but would I hurl myself off the closest bridge? Tom, do we hurl ourselves off because we do so many spreadsheets, too? <laughs> yeah, I find that I work a full time job doing that type of stuff and then a full time job doing creative life. But we'll get past that. I have lived years where I wasn't living a creative life and it was not healthy for me. You know, I developed all sorts of bad personality traits and failings that we could go into a different time. Like it just was not the way I was meant to be living. 
I also don't think it's for everyone, and I don't think it's better than any other way to live necessarily. I think some people are just wired and passionate about living differently than this and that's alien to me but also i feel gratitude for that because we need that too we need each other we need all the different perspectives and views and i think for some people living a creative life would feel very oppressive and stressful and overwhelming and like what i have to sit here and just make up a world I can't handle that. I'm so stressed out right now. Like I just want to perform the tasks that I've studied and learned how to do that I'm very good at and I'm a master of it. Right. Like that's just a different person. But I think if you are feeling drawn or hungry for a creative life, like if you know inside you that that's something you should be embracing, take flight. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I think, but oftentimes creativity looks different for different people, right? You mm-hmm. get engineers who are so into the minutia that for me, that is the quickest way just to drive me bananas when they're like, no, it is not exactly perfect. I need it for my cron. Like just go away. <laughs> like there's just no art in there, but for them, that precision, that is their beauty. That is their creativity. Well, and- I think there's a creativity in numbers that I don't even come close to understanding, but I know it exists. Well, yeah, they put the alphabet in there just to muck things up a bit. <laughs> <laughs> that's just an inside joke with mathematicians. They're like, that's actually not a thing. But <laughs> like we made that up. We just, that's just a joke for We're liberal scare arts grad majors. students with yeah. this sigma symbol. <laughs> Throw that in there. With numbers, yes, ones and zeros. You know what would be funny? Letters. (laughs) Watch the English majors lose their minds. (laughs) All right, so great discussion. If anybody is thinking about living a creative life, these are your warning labels. Look at them closely. Decide if it's something that you want to do. Always consult with a professional beforehand. Yes, always. I don't know any professionals to consult with, but just us. (laughs) We're just us is here. Just we are here. Just yeah, we are. <laughs> no words. We got words. All right. So if you enjoyed this content and you want to hear any more from us, Teresa, where can they find us? Well, we have an outpost group on Facebook. We have a do-do-do-do-do-do. We are on Facebook <laughs> itself. That was my hold music. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> we are on Twitter. We are on Instagram. We are coming to YouTube. I don't know if you guys are keeping an eye on that, but I would bookmark that bad boy. Perfect. And of course, our email newsletter is one of the best places that you can be plugged in with us. So orangenebula.com is where you should go if you are not on the newsletter list yet. Okay. Forward slash mailing list. You might get to plunder. Yeah. And all the social platforms are just at Orange Nebula. Perfect. Yep. Yep. Thank goodness for that. Okay, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for spending it with us. We hope that you are just about ready to take off in flight into the air. Let the wind take you, but read the warning labels, okay? Shutdown sequence initiated. We will talk to you all soon. (laughs) Bye. Mark, you have a button undone. Which one? The same one that's been undone since really early this morning. Is it the top one that his chest hair is showing? And.
Sorry, no, I shouldn't. I mean, <laughs> the, hey, one, the one by the, the tiger bottom. Closer, I'm just I want to make off. sure that we there capture we go. There we go. all of this. So <laughs> later, There's, when we ask why is Mark angry, we've got a complete recording. Yeah, it's me. <laughs> it's always me. <laughs> <laughs>